to get their needs met because their needs have not been met from an earlier stage of their development and basically they have now then gone on to survival to ensure that those needs get met. The Imani Speak Show. I am um, a single mum and I have three beautiful children who are now adults, two sons and a daughter, of whom I am immensely proud of their growth and their development and their evolution. It certainly has been a journey for them as well as for me. Um, and a learning has been ensued in that journey for both them and for me as their mother. I come from a background where my parents are from the northeast in Sunderland and I am the youngest of my mum's three daughters. I've got two older siblings, two older sisters, and I also have a brother from my dad's, my real father's second marriage. Um, and, you know, growing up it was pretty tough. But I think one thing that I came to realise a little bit earlier on um, and when I say this, I never mean it in a sense of better than, but I always felt quite different in terms of the way that I was to my siblings. I mean, I was always a little bit of a a wild one who always, even from a young age, knew her own mind and followed her own mind. Um, and I was a little bit of a rebel, I suppose, in a way. I was probably my mum's most challenging um, and that's because I was always quite willful, always quite strong-minded. Um, and that's really put me in good stead um, raising the children and also in my own personal journey. Um, I was also, you know, bullied at school because I grew up with red hair. I'm a, a, 60, a 60s child. I'm a natural red hair. And I was bullied because seen as being anyway. And um, so I had those challenges to deal with. But one thing it taught me about being bullied and about being seen as being different, it taught me how to stand alone in that difference. And it taught me to how to stand alone and not necessarily always look for validation from other people although I could probably honestly say to some degree I did but I always knew and had a sense of myself if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely so I've always been a bit like that um my parents as I said are from up north and my sisters but my soul decided it wanted to be born somewhere else and I um, I arrived on the earth plane at 27 weeks gestation weighing 3 pounds 10 ounces and I was born in a military hospital in Libya in Tripoli in the 1960s. Mum had told me, this is Mum's story, Mum had told me that I also, there was a fear that I wouldn't make it because I developed gastroenteritis and apparently the priest came to give me my last rites and wanted to christen me. But mum said, no, she's not going to be christened here. She's going to be christened where her sisters were christened in Sunderland. And mum said that she 
saw my feistiness, my spirit. Because one minute I'd be at the top of the court and the next minute I'd be right down the bottom. So it's almost like for her, she knew that I would be okay. And I know that I'm, I'm not my mum's favourite, but I know that she knows that I've had a journey. And I know that she's worried about me, but she's not worried about me in the fact that I can't manage myself or I couldn't manage myself. It's just that my journey has been extremely different to my sisters and to my mum. And, you know, there's been a lot to deal with and a lot to, you know, encompass in that journey. Unfortunately, about six years ago, mum had a stroke and it took her speech away so she can no longer hold a conversation so i can no longer ring her up and have a full-blown conversation with her and and put the world to right in the way that we used to she can probably say only about three words now um you know and she lives in london with her partner who's her carer and and so that's changed the dynamic she doesn't remember our birthdays and that gets her that makes her feel very very sad so, you know, and I know that at the time of my birth, mum said there was a lot of fractious, you know, discord going on around. Um, and so you could say that my journey started in quite an arduous way from the very beginning. So I almost, you could say, had to fight to be here even from the very very beginning and i have to say and this is not meant in a victim mentality but i've had to fight continuously ever since it's taught me a great deal yeah you know hearing everything you've said so far sister so i feel you know definitely very very powerful you know certainly you coming in at three pounds and you know being almost ready to hear you know your rights were ready to to kind of send you back on your way and yeah. here you are and um you know i think whether no matter where we find ourselves in the world no matter where we find ourselves it's so important to remember that to have a place on earth is very valuable and however you know no matter how you come into the world where you find yourself and even having challenging experiences it's still a, it's still an honor and um, a privilege to be here because you know as we know you know like you wake up today how many people didn't have that privilege to wake up today so just hearing you talk about your journey so far you know so powerful and you know wow and to know you as a person to know that you started your life at that very fragile stage and to know how powerful you are what i want to talk to you about so is 22 years ago you had your spiritual awakening can you talk yes. to us about that um obviously i had my first in my teens my second child in my my 20s and then i had my third child in my 30s um and roughly from probably from i would say that probably from the time that I had my first child, even though I was 19, and I know I definitely made mistakes, but even though I was 19, I was very ready to be a mother. I was very lucky, I was very ready to be a mother. And I was, I was very grateful for that experience. 
but you could say probably after this, my second son was born, I went into the Church of England because um, after breaking up with his father, you can feel a sense of loss when you have a breakup of a relationship. And it's really, really important to feel held and to feel supported. And you tend to gravitate towards souls or towards experiences that are going to hold you. And I very much needed that at that time. I had two sons. You know, I was a mother of two. Um, you know, so I went into the Church of England for seven years and I, I held a very strong place in that in that experience. My first experience well, as a child was in the Pentecostal church. And I remember, you know, it was with Mrs. B, Mrs. Baker, and she was our neighbour and she would look after me when mum had to go to work. And mum needed somebody to help out, to sort of like look after the children. Um, obviously, because I'm, well, I've got one sibling four years older than me, one eight years older than me. Obviously, I was the youngest and I needed to be cared for. So I was always with Mrs. Baker, but that was my first experience and that was in the Pentecostal church. And I have to say, that's left an imprint on me because of the vibrancy of it, because you can really feel the experience on a soul level when you go into the Pentecostal church. And it's not that I'm trying to diminish any other denomination. It's just that I really felt the experience, even from a young age. And that stayed with me. But then I drifted away and got older. And, you know, you could say that was part of me that was looking to anchor myself in a relationship and have a family. And because I didn't really feel a sense of belonging my family and I didn't really feel like I was very anchored there were a great deal of changes in my upbringing we were constantly moving all over the place and it was never settled but anyway to get back I digress but only because I need to sort of get into the story um after I finished after I split up with my son's my second son's father I anchored myself into the experience of the Church of England and that served its purpose for seven spiritual years and then I started to feel a sense about growing that experience because it felt too constrained to me it felt like I was told that I you know if I didn't go to church then I was sinning. If I didn't, if I didn't do this, then I was a sinner. However, I came to realise much later on that the church is made up of many sinners, and then they they change their ways and they become they become different. But nevertheless, it served its purpose. I belonged to the parochial church council. I played very much a really strong part in the church. I would help out at functions. I would sing the Lent prose solo. I would sing the Advent prose solo. And it really helped for those seven years after I had broken up from my second son's father, after going through a breakup with my first son's father when I was a teen, when he, he left when I was pregnant. So I was left holding two babies. And there was part of me that felt, I had felt so miserably 
there was part of me felt a failure because I didn't feel like I was able to hold down a relationship. And I didn't feel the same as my family. My family had been married. My mum had been married twice. My sisters, you know, had been married. And I felt like I was the only one that couldn't manage to sustain that. And it made me feel a failure. But anyway, gradually, as I grew and evolved from the experience of the Church of England, I started to move away from it because I felt it was too constrained, too too controlled, and I started to feel that I needed to find my own spiritualism. And then, obviously, I became pregnant with my daughter, you know, in my 30s. And I started on the journey of digging deep and looking at things a little bit prior to my my pregnancy with her. And I started to question a great deal of things. I started to question what my purpose was. I'd started to go into a little bit deeper of the experience of, you know, looking at therapy because I felt that there were things that needed to be addressed within me. I started to question things a little bit more. So my journey started really, I'd say, you know, when I became pregnant with my my third child. And then it escalated from there. And then roughly, I was working for an organisation that regulated registered social landlords. And I got made redundant in 2005. And then roughly by about 2008, I started to feel that I wanted to move away, you know, um, just corporate life, and I wanted to make a difference. So I set up my own, you know, single parent group in the local community. And I started to feel that I wanted to help people and support people and also start to impart some of the wisdom that I had learned from my own journey. And it, and I've always been a person that seeks knowledge and asks questions and wants to know answers looks deeper into things. I've never been an individual that just looks at things on a superficial level. Um, I have been told on many occasions, you're too deep, you're too intense, you're too this, you're too that. And for a long time, I believed all of those things. And for a long time, I believed all of the things that people told me that I was. Yes, I am those things. But hearing it from other people, it came across as a negative. But it's not a negative. I'd rather be too deep and I'd rather feel from a good play than, than, than be superficial and shallow and not do anything at all. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, that journey. So you started off with a Pentecostal and then yeah. the Church of England and then yeah. you started to have a more inner experience with your spiritual spiritual journey so can you talk to us about because i know you you know you've helped so many people you work with people and i know that um in recent times you've set up you're the founder of phoenix wisdom counseling and susan lawrence soul coaching so can you can you talk to us about what that what that is all about and how do you help your clients susan lawrence soul was my first page on Facebook. That was created in 2014. And that formed part of my diving deeper into myself and also wanting to help other people. 
not to um, force my beliefs on other people, but just to create an awareness that there is so much more to life than what we see. There is so much more to our experiences than what we feel and what we see and what we allow ourselves to witness. And obviously, because I have been gradually and slowly going through my own awakening, I felt it would be beneficial and supportive to humanity to support others who were going through the same. And also, there is something to be said that when you do something like that, there's, there's no doubt that when you help others, there is an aspect that you actually help and heal yourself as well, if that makes sense. And it's twofold. So it's, it's beneficial not only for humanity, but because we're all interconnected and we're all connected, it, there's, a, there's a, a cycle that, so that basically everybody benefits. But I really wanted to make a difference. And I want my children to see that despite whatever their mum has gone through, despite whatever she has experienced, she never gave up. And she didn't just fold. And even if I did fold, which I have done on many occasions, I got back up. I got back up. So Susan Lawrence Law Coaching was, you know, developed in 2014 and it's still in existence. And roughly 2020, I got signs from Spirit that there needed to be some changes. And every time I tried to post on Facebook, I'd get blocked or something so I felt like spirit were trying to tell me a message anyway I carried on I closed it down for a little while or I stopped posting for a little while and then basically in 2020 um, after going through a really really challenging period of getting through COVID finding that I was in a twin flame connection and not realising I was in a twin flame connection. And then one minute, my twin flame being in my life and the next minute, not in my life. It sent me into a soul shock, but it also triggered all of my other breakups and losses that I had experienced. So not only did I have a situation where I was confronted with my own mortality of passing through and getting through COVID, of which I would like to mention that my twin flame was a great deal of support in my journey of getting through COVID. And then the separation took place after I had got through and where I had started to feel better. So I went into a bit of a soul shock and I'll always be grateful to my friends for that journey because they were an angel for me at that moment in time when I needed to be held in a moment of sickness. The challenge is that when you... When you feel that you've finally met the person that you want to be with and connect with and one minute they're there, the next minute they're gone, you go into a huge soul shock. And I've had two other experiences of two different time periods of the same feeling. So spirit was preparing me for something. And that was 2003 and that was 2015. 
and both all of those feelings created very similar feelings of soul shock so spirit was preparing me now i've gone through a great deal of losses in my life from physical death of loved ones close friends and also constant you know breakup of relationships which started to put me on a journey of questioning what was i doing what part was i playing in that what was i doing that was creating that so then basically as a result i created phoenix wisdom because i have such a wealth of information on loss and that's loss through relationships loss through physical death loss through going through an awakening loss through going through in a redundancy loss of close friendships and i just felt that there was so much wisdom that i had ex- learned from that journey those journeys that i could then impart some wisdom and empower and support others to go through the same and i wanted to be the light in other people's darkness because i know what it feels like to sit in that darkness does that make sense Sorry, I, yeah, I'm just, I was just sort of in the flow there, just listening to what you were saying there, sister. So, um, wow, soul shock. And, you know, you talked on, um, you know, twin flame. And a lot of people, when they hear the word twin flame, they just feel like, okay, I've met that person and that's it, we're going off together. Can you talk to us about um, twin flames and you know how that soul connection how that deepness is definitely there and is always there eternally but it may not play out necessarily the way you want it it's got it might be um for another reason how, how can you can you explain that to people yes i can the twin journey is romanticized in rose tinted glasses and nothing could be further than the truth of that we are conditioned by society to be that we are successful if we are in a love connected relationship and we've got 2.4 children and we're married we are deemed to be successful if that's that's what we are and I judged myself on those merits too because of my family However, my journey has been completely different. The twin flame journey is one soul that is split into two and both of you mirror all of the healing that needs to take place for each of you in terms of your inner child wounds and your shadow aspects of yourself. Your inner child wounds can encompass rejection and abandonment issues they can uh, they can encompass where you haven't felt validated or acknowledged as a child and your shadow wounds can be down to jealousy rage envy all sorts of things it brings up you are confronted with a mirror and basically that mirror looking back at you is mirrored back at you through the other half of your soul so the same experience that you have your twin flame has as well 
And what it does is it forces you in a position to evolve and grow and literally come away from all of your ego aspects of yourself to a place of unconditional love. However, I would like to reiterate that many people believe that unconditional love is to accept every aspect of everything about a person that you love, your twin flame, your soulmate, your carbon. But unconditional love does not mean accepting toxic negative behaviours. It doesn't mean that. And believe you me, both can have toxic negative behaviours that need to be healed and that need to be sorted and that need to be cleared. And it is only when both of the individuals have healed all of the, the you know, the unhealed parts of themselves to the child, the shadow wounds, and also the ego state. It's only when they've both got to a place of purity, compassion, no judgment, and unconditional love can union take place. Yeah, it's very powerful. You know, um, I loved what you said there, you know, because I, I, I do feel that I, I feel people have this idea of just, you know, the honeymoon phase and people want to just keep going with the honeymoon phase and, and not do the work and not realise that there's so much more about this soul journey. It, it's not just a paradise thing. Um, you yeah. do the work, Mr. Romani. You have to do the work. However, you do have a choice. If you choose not to do the work, then, and bearing in mind, a twin flame journey is a higher consciousness relationship. It is a Christ consciousness relationship. And actually, the actual the actual concept of a twin flame journey is because both of you have a higher Christ-like conscious aspect to that relationship, which needs to serve humanity once both of you have done your healing. And I'm going to put it really bluntly. The biggest way that both me and a really close, beautiful soul sister put, put the twin flame journey is it is a complete head fuck journey. It is. It is not a journey for the weak-minded. It is not a journey for those who don't have tenacity, resilience, and who haven't gone through some difficulties beforehand because it, it's, it's challenging. It's challenging. Yeah, um, one of the things you said is um, it's, you know, it's not, you can't just keep giving unconditional love. In fact, love between two people on a romantic level has got certain conditions, you know, and um, people do require that for it to, so you obviously don't just tolerate, you know, nonsense, but at the same time you realise it's about, you know, when, when you see reflected in the other certain things that trigger something in you it is about wow i need to do some work but there's also something to be said that i do believe to a degree that the twin flame journey condones enabling to a degree and i don't agree with that the thing is 
we all have some form of toxic traits and toxic traits are strategies and coping mechanisms that are learned from very challenging you know situations that you may have grown up in that doesn't make it right it doesn't make it wrong but you know toxic traits are coping strategies that one learns to get through and find ways to cope and remember what we're talking about is survival yeah what we're talking about is survival what we're talking about is you know at the end of the day survival of the fittest and b when we're faced in situations perhaps where we haven't had a very good start and life has been really challenging then one picks things up along the way and toxic behaviors are a coping strategy to get your needs met yeah and that is the same with narcissistic people because they it's a strategy and a coping mechanism to get their needs met because their needs have not been met from an earlier stage of their development and basically they have now then gone on to survival to ensure that those needs get met does that make sense because I, I, I I've said you know there's all, I'm hearing about all these narcissistic people and I'm like they can't they must something must have happened something must have happened to and this is a way for them to just get themselves around the world and and deal with the world as they see it and um of course you know if the behavior being with these people is is wrong of course you've got to do something about it but i feel i feel as though you know there's just this talk all the time and you know definitely there is something there is there are people out there but it's like why and who are these people and how did they evolve to how did they get to become this they got to become that due to due to fighting to survive due to fighting to survive and due to the fact that their needs were not met in their earlier conditioning so there's a real desire if you if you look at this if you look at the relationship between the empath and the narcissistic individual what more could a, a, a person a narcissistic person who is whose true desire is to get their needs met because their needs were not met then an empath who is all encompassing who is all encompassing and wants to make the world a better place because the, the root of an empath is they want to make the world a better place and what more then could a narcissistic individual who is fighting for survival ask for there's a reason for everything there's a reason behind everything now you know we live in a world of labels and and that they're loosely banded across the way labels for this narcissism toxic yes i believe that all of us to a degree have some toxic traits I do believe that. I do believe that. But the truth of that the true beauty and believe you me, there are moments that I have found it really challenging in the twin flame journey. But the true I've now learned so much, but the true beauty of the twin flame journey is that both have been given an opportunity to grow, evolve 
heal their, their wounds, their inner, inner wounds, do the work so that both collectively and individually can then shine for the greater good of themselves and humanity. Absolutely, definitely the empath and the the narcissist coming together. There is a deeper there is a deeper thing going on. There's a deeper spiritual thing going on and it's yes, for them it's for them to find that and not, you know, end up as another you know, another kind of broken situation and um, you know, both leaving feeling what have you. But for really to yeah, to share that that soul um, yes. clearing. The thing is, we live, as I said, in a world where it's easy to label and easy to, you know, blame others. And, we, and let's face it, we do blame others when, let's face it, we do blame others when we're hurt. And, and when we are hurt, we, we do blame others, yeah? Because it's easier to do that than to go and look inside of self. But it isn't all comfortable it isn't always comfortable to look inside yourself because sometimes when you do that you know you don't always like what you see and it feels really uncomfortable there is a book that i've read and it's called toxic magnetism and it's how and why empaths attract narcissists okay it's a very good book and then there is another one called the human magnet syndrome yeah and it's called the codependent narcissist trap but bearing in mind as i've said all of us have some coping narcissistic traits because they were learned for the sole purpose to survive and to get our needs met say that i you know i we all, we all laugh about the terrible twos but you know it, it kind of when you think of that it's that is a sign of time the tiny tot version and just imagine that you know that energy growing into an adult and you've got you know that idea and i love you know what you said there it is a learned coping strategy it and is. it becomes something that is used again and again, especially in the emotional world of, say, a re relationship. Well, if you've, if you've not had your needs met as a young child, then what happens is, and it's funny you should just talk about the terrible twos, and that brings me on to the subject of, I'm not sure whether people are aware, but there is an inner child and an outer child. So when your needs haven't been met, whether that's through rejection and abandonment issues, or whether you felt unacknowledged or invalidated from your family and loved ones, your inner child will create a situation where it starts acting out for, in, in a form of an outer child behavior. So it's a bit like an adult child stomping its feet to address the inner child's unmet need and then basically the, the outer child starts acting out in response to the inner child so it's almost like one throws temper tantrums and wobblies on a continuous basis but all it is is is, is that the inner child is hurting the inner child hasn't felt validated 
the inner child hasn't felt wanted and acknowledged and feels like it's it's of value it's of worth so then it seeks that validation outside of itself through codependent connections so you did ask me how to help people discovered through my own journey of identifying my inner child wounds and my shadow wounds and I would like to add by no means am I completely healed I am still on my journey okay and I like to make that very clear because I don't believe that you have to be perfectly healed in order to lead others and support others through their journey if anything when you've lived it and you know what it feels like you can actually support others through lived and learned experience so what i do with my phoenix counseling is i support people to connect and get in contact with the inner child and their shadow issues jealousy envy rage greed anger you know all those sorts of thoughts and one thing i really do encourage is that the only way that any healing can take place of anything like that is to not pretend that it doesn't exist and you're not feeling it but to allow yourself to get in touch with the feelings and just sit with them even if it feels uncomfortable and i will support them i i will support people to touch base with their grief and their hurt and their pain through journaling workbooks through discussion and and all of those those sorts of things and that is a journey that I've gone on myself yeah wow and um you know you talked about covid there and you know obviously the last year has just been so difficult for so many people and you know just the change of life you know being in lockdown people have lost jobs people people have lost businesses people have loved lost loved ones and you know i know you you went through covid and what was that like and what was your thoughts when you heard in march you know march last year that we were all going to go into this big massive global lockdown and on a spiritual level with the work that you're doing how has how has your clients been coping and what have, what have you um shared with them in terms of guidance to help them through obviously i got covid in the first wave and I, that was 27th of March. I've got to think about remembering dates. 27th of March. Um, and I remember feeling unwell. Now, the thing is, as a rule, I don't have a problem with isolating because I spend a great deal of time on my own and I'm very comfortable with my own, my own company. So I would say that the lockdown hasn't affected me in that way. Where I found it really, really hard was my daughter was pregnant at the time she was living with me i couldn't have her with me so i had to get her placed somewhere else and i had to go through it on my own i did say to you that i had a beautiful angel my twin flame who helped me through covid but that was through discussion through video calls so that the, the, it, his presence was with me but not in a physical like in the room with me yeah and i was very grateful for that but at the same token when it got to times where i was in pain or i was hurting or i was coughing or i was coughing and 
accidents were happening. I, I, it was me that had to deal with it on my own. But one thing it really taught me a great deal was who was there for me in that moment of need and who wasn't. Even, even my boss, who I work for now, was such a source of support. Flame was such a source of support. My, my my new granddaughter's grandmother from her dad's side, a source of support. And I just got through it and, you know, spoke to my spirit. Sometimes I howled out, sometimes I cried. You know, sometimes I was coughing away and you can't catch your breath and you're coughing, 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 coughing and you're feeling terribly uncomfortable and there's nobody there to comfort you and I'm just crying and just saying, just, please just go away and leave me. But then once I'd got through the actual COVID, I was ill for five weeks and then it took me another two weeks to feel what I could say relatively normal. Um, I... I I, I then suddenly had this realisation that I could not be here. I could I could not be here and I could not be seeing my children and seeing grandchildren. And the reality of that smacked me right in the face. And so how I support people, my, you know, most of my, you know, clients and things and people that I've supported sometimes by inbox messages and things like that, is I will always encourage people to actually allow themselves to feel what they feel and never try and use toxic positivity as a sticking plaster to try and to try and make the healing process quicker because it's only when you confront what you feel that you can actually heal it because then if you allow those feelings to pass and move through you you then can make room for anything else that needs to come along to be healed yeah, I, I totally agree. It, you know, we do everything to avoid the feelings and just suppress them, you know, squash them down. And that's the worst thing to do. It's much better to bring them up for release. And I, and I really feel that when we, you know, when we talk about sort of relationships, that's a really, that's a place where, you know, your partner becomes this mirror or this, you know, allowing you to bring up some of these things to yeah. heal them. Um, but you know we want to suppress them and I always feel like how any when you think of the word energy field it's like you feel yes there is a field but then you feel there's all these feelings that's come together and now we have all this field and we need to you know kind of let it go so I, I really I really sort of agree with you on that and you know as you said you know the, the thing about COVID and and how certainly in that first wave do you, yeah. do you feel it was one of the coldest ways to deal with people suffering with illnesses? Because as you said, you know, everyone had to just e evacuate and, and be on their own and, you know, and with, with the illness. And what what did you, did you find any sort of growth from that? I know your, your um, soul, your twin flame was with you, but did you find that you grew from that, having to deal with that on your own for the most part? What it taught me was that all of what I had experienced before had given me a sense of resilience and tenacity. And what it had taught me is that all of the heartbreaks and the losses and, you know, depression and fighting to make sure that the children were fed and watered, 
and to make sure that they were okay. All of that that I had experienced had put me in good stead. And had I have not gone through some of those things, I am unsure as to whether I would have been quite as resilient to get through it. And I would just like to make reference to something you just said. We, I don't believe that we are encouraged as a nation, especially from Western ways anyway, to look inside of ourselves. We are encouraged to toxic bypass everything that we feel and have a stiff upper lip and brush ourselves down so that we don't digest, so that we don't reflect, so that we don't address and feel what we're feeling because it will take up too much time and it will stop us from you know reaching out towards this desire to attain results and look for instant gratification of it does it make sense yeah yeah absolutely yeah sorry were you going to say something that was it that was it yeah no i i agree with that it's there's all these distractions you know and kind of people being um taught how to consume 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 and it's all about you know not not looking you know keeping you away from looking within and noise and you know there's there's so much things to listen to and you know people don't really um feel comfortable in silence stillness and solitude and like you were saying that's such a powerful important space to to have you know where you can be on your own where you can sit in silence where you can you know just sit still and and feel you know spirit it's most definitely to be encouraged something that I gently that I am supporting to do. And for me there's one thing I feel really grateful for. I feel grateful for my children. I feel grateful for all who supported me through COVID. I'm grateful for all who supported me prior to COVID, during COVID, after. I, I've got some wonderful Earth Angels, um, you know, and I've got, you know, my soul sister it's been a real source of support and you what it's taught taught me is to go back to basics and that we need half as much as we do we just think we do we just think we do because we've been led to believe that we do but that we can survive and manage on very little and be people and make something out of nothing and that does particularly help if you've grown up from you know, say for instance, a mother who has always cooked from scratch and made something out of nothing. It's you know, I think that's one of the things that I think we've we've all learned in the last year is that um, it is about it's not about more and more and more. You know, it's about you know less getting getting nearer and closer to going within than always looking out there and looking for more things, more stuff. Um, and not realizing that the, the the inner stuff is abundant and is much more powerful than anything you can find outside of yourself. Definitely, and the twin flame journey is a call you to actually reunite back to yourself. Not about roasting into glasses, romance. You're going to be carted off on a on a. <laughs> 
<laughs> with great big flowers waving in the air. No, it's nothing like that. It's actually a call for both individuals to discover who they are and not who they have told, been told that they are. Because let's face it, we've been told and we've been conditioned who we are. We've been told, this is what you need to be like. This is what you should be doing. This is what you're supposed to be doing. This is what it should be like. In actual fact, the true essence of discovering who you are is to live in accordance with what makes your soul feel happy and nobody else's. Powerful words, Sister So. And I was I was going to ask you to share some, you know, some words of encouragement, but I think you've already done that. Now, is, <laughs> is, there, is there anything else you want to say to anybody that might be struggling and who might be scared of going within, who might you know feel oh i don't want to pull out all those old emotions from the past it's too scary it's much better for me to press them down and keep them where they are or if anyone's going through a a, a situation you know whether it's a relationship or some sort of loss is there any are there any final words you want to speak to them before i answer my final question and also how can people get in contact with you and get a session with you as well Okay, the first thing that comes when you've just asked me that question was the moment that you have a resistance to going within is the moment that you are fearful of losing control. And basically, the moment you are fearful of losing control is that one has to understand what one has actually got control of and what one hasn't. And in actual fact, sometimes it's actually through losing control, the power come tumbling down, that you can actually build a brand new, fresh new template. And that gives you an opportunity to let go of anything that is old, outworn, outdated, and that will no longer serve your purpose. So basically, the more you try and control something, the less control you're going to have. And the more you resist, the more it will persist. Um, Phoenix Wisdom, and I've I've created a number because I also do oracle readings as well. I've, I've got many hats, many personas, and I'm quite comfortable with that because variety gives you a sense of purpose. As long as you know what you're doing with each thing, then you... Yeah. So basically... Phoenix um, Wisdom 93 at gmail.com is how I can be reached by email for Phoenix Wisdom, and that's the loss and bereavement counseling. And then I've got Susan Lawrence Soul Coaching at gmail.com. The telephone number for both is 0756 So it's 07561. One five nine seven two five, and basically try not to fear losing control because the more you try to hang on the harder it's going to be for you if you just surrender and you just let go then you will allow everything to fall in its natural place and basically what needs to fall away needs to fall away and what needs to be renewed needs to be renewed 
that's beautifully beautifully said so um sister so i know you've been you know doing your spiritual work for a long time it's something that you know is making a difference to so many people but what does the future hold for you where do you see yourself in the next few years what what plans i mean you may not want to share all of them but where would you say you'd like to see your work um you know reaching i realize that there are there's so much more that i could be doing i just have got to find out a way i've already i've got my exam to finish which i'm halfway through for my counseling i've done my quality to finish my exam i've done my specialist counseling i've done my spiritual coaching i've also done a numerology qualification as well i've also booked my next course and that's paid for and that is to do with soul retrieval because that will encompass a deeper aspect to phoenix wisdom and i would really love at some point to try and find a way to do some workshops or to do some healing workshops but i've just got to find a way how and i'm not quite sure yet how that will come what i'm doing at the moment is just trusting my evolution i'm following council's guidance my inner council and higher council's guidance Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i'm trusting everything and letting everything flow in its natural way I do believe that the purpose that I do think is right. Um, one thing that I have discovered is that in numerology, I'm a life path number 33, stroke six, and that is to teach others to come from a place of compassion and love, but not only from a place of compassion and love, but to also respect their own personal boundaries and that you can come from a place of compassion and love still make sure that you've got protective boundaries in place so that you look after yourself as well so I'd like to develop much more and I will I'm just going to let things you know flow I do do put plans in place but I also believe in divine time and I believe you can put all the plans in place for the will of the world but if the timing isn't correct, they won't come together. And just, in some ways, you've got to learn to work with your own natural flow, but you've also got to work with the universal flow as well, and with, with the higher realms as well. And trust, everything is aligned, everything will fall into place. That encompasses flexibility as well. So you've got to learn to be flexible and not fixed in anything that you make plans with and that is also particularly the case for the twin flame journey yeah I, I totally hear you on that so you what when you put your mind to something when you put your heart and soul in something do it 100 percent, keep focus but also be open to flexibility be open to new guidance from spirit and be ready to you know take that next turn if if so be and and never get too stuck in any one thing um, even when it seems to be you know you you know the universe is screaming at you to you know let go of that you know let go let go and you will find that you know a new path that will take you even further forward I think one thing that the same journey has taught me 
is to let go of expectations. Yes. And that was particularly hard for me because I am, I have got, um, I've got anxiety around rejection and abandonment. So I always need to feel reassured. I've had to create my own assurance, reassurance and not look outside of it. And so I've really had to challenge my abandonment wound and my rejection wound. But that's where the lesson and the blessing was particularly afforded. 